Hello, and welcome to A Well-Read Life. This is a place to share stories about good books and the reading life. I'm your host, Beth Jamison. Join me as I meander through my reading journey and discover the books that make up A Well-Read Life. Today I have a special episode for you, an interview with my friend Sophie Burkhart. Sophie is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to books, and I never leave a conversation with her without coming away with a new book list. Recently, I invited her to sit down and talk about a new favorite of hers, The Little Prince, and it's a book I've just read because of her recommendation. But before we get started, I'm going to give you a little bit more of an introduction to Sophie. Sophie is in her final semester studying public relations and philosophy at the University of Georgia. She spent her college years interning in both public relations and ministry, two places where she can uniquely combine her love for storytelling and wisdom. Her other endeavors include co-hosting a podcast on Hope called Tikva, which you all should check out, writing curriculum for middle and high school students, and weaving together her own stories. Ultimately, she believes that this world is a story— and thus truth and wisdom alike are best communicated through the power of story. I enjoyed my conversation with Sophie so much, and I hope you enjoy it as well. As a little disclaimer, there was some technical difficulties for the last 10 minutes, unfortunately, so please bear with it. There's a slight change in the sound quality, and I apologize for that. And now, here's my interview with Sophie. Sophie, we both share a passion for good stories. You did a beautiful job talking about it in your episode called Aslan and the Power of Stories. Would you mind sharing again why you believe stories are so important to our lives and why you love stories so much? Absolutely. I think stories, they really reach in and connect with us in ways that really nothing else does. Ultimately, I think that's because we're living within a story. And so it's Stories written into the fabric of the universe and I think written into our own DNA and our Mm -hmm. own lives and just everything about us. And so that's, I think, a primary reason why I love stories. They're just able to convey truth Mm -hmm. in a way that is more powerful, in a way that makes sense, in a way that connects in other formats like logical syllogisms or anything else just doesn't do to the Mm -hmm. same degree. And I just also love stories because they are so powerful and key in evoking our imagination and our wonder and helping us explore and be adventurous and be children again. That is, that's so true. I I echo all of those, uh, everything that you just said. What books were your first introduction to stories? The ones that made you fall in love with them? I think the primary ones that I remember were these collections that we had of different mythologies, especially Greek and Norse mythology. I know my mom read countless other stories to me (laughs) that I just don't remember anymore, but there was something about mythology. And um, I think especially concepts like dryads and naiads, they just speak to me in a certain way. And being able to see nature as more alive than perhaps we might originally think definitely mythologies. And then I would say on top of that, Harry Potter. That's the first (laughs) book that I remember reading on my own as a child. Yes. Oh, so Sophie, have you ever heard of the artist John William Waterhouse? He did a lot. He was a pre-Raphaelite. I have a book. I'll have to show it to you. He did a lot of the myths, a lot of the art in the early 1900s. And when I was a teenager, I would pour over his book because, well, we had a book with his illustrations in it because it was just, 
it was the same thing. I love the stories of, I love mythology and it just made them come alive. He just, I, it is just very haunting, very beautiful. They just convey stories so, so well. So I'll have to, after we finish recording, I'll have to show that to you real quickly, but I, I'm with you. I loved, I loved mythology. Is, was there a favorite story of yours? That is a great question. <laughs> um, I think I love any stories involving Apollo or oh. Athena. Oh. So anything that has them in it is probably my favorite. That's so interesting. Okay. I'll have to look up some because it's been a while. I liked all the tragic ones because I just had this weird tragic bent as a child. So <laughs> that was just me. <laughs> One of the stories I've heard you talk about recently is The Little Prince. You were actually responsible for me reading it for the first time this year. I had been meaning to read it for years, and it's been on my shelf for probably over a decade, and I've acquired numerous copies over the years and just had never read it. But we we're part of a creative group, and Sophie was talking about it in the mentioned it in the creative group. And then she also has a wonderful podcast episode about the little prince. It's on her podcast called Tikva. And I highly recommend going and listening to that episode as well. I'll put it in the show notes. But she was responsible because of her enthusiasm and her love for the book for me finally reading it. So I want to thank her for that. <laughs> and I want to ask you, Sophie, what made you first read the book? Yeah, so tragically, even though it's a classic, <laughs> I did not discover it until last year during the old quarantine. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was alone in my apartment. All my roommates went home home and I just was going through Netflix and I found the Little Prince movie on Netflix and I watched the movie and I was just blown away. I was hanging out with a friend literally later that day and I told him, I just watched a movie that is me in a movie form. <laughs> And so I loved it so much that I, I went and I had to go get the book and read it. Oh, it's so awesome. So Sophie, can you, for those who haven't read it, can you give a quick summary of the book? Yes. So the book is told from the perspective of this aviator who is an adult for most of the book, basically by the time it starts. But it starts with him as a child and he's doing this little drawing and no grownups understand what he's drawing. And that becomes really a central theme of the rest of the book. So time goes on it kind of cuts to the aviator gets stranded in the desert and he meets the little prince just this random boy in the middle of the desert who starts slowly but surely they build a friendship and he starts telling him his own story of living on this planet with a rose and then leaving her and then each journey that he had from planet to planet and then earth and all of these encounters that he has and so they bond over that and then they eventually have to go their separate ways it's a very unusual book it's a very i don't know it's I, I don't think there's anything that I've read that's like it. I, I think it's just, it stands on its own. It's very unusual and just very, very good. It just really captures your imagination. So we'll talk a little bit more about that, but I'm very glad that I read it this year, finally. In your episode of The Little Prince, you talk about the power of story to evoke a sense of wonder and remind us of beauty, especially in a child's life. Can you share a little bit more about that? Absolutely. Stories, I think one of the principal ways in which stories do this, and I'm totally stealing from G.K. <laughs> Chesterton here, but he talks about um, ethics of Elfland in orthodoxy. He talks about one of the things that stories did for him as a child was it sort of gives you this philosophy of life where you start recognizing that things don't have to be the way that they are. 
but and that makes it so much more beautiful that they are the way that they are and i think that's really cool too to translate that i mean like when you look when you see that in stories and you translate that into real life it's just so much more freeing and more wonderful to recognize that grass doesn't have to be green in some sort of deterministic nature instead it's like no there was a creative mind who chose to make grass mm. green when he could have chose to make it pink. Yeah. And that's what makes it all the more wonderful and enjoyable that life is the way that it is when it could have been any other mm. different way. And I think, I mean, I really think it brings it the extra step to recognizing just as a story has an author that's doing all of this, mm. that our story too has an author, which makes it so much more exciting mm. and invigorating. And so I think that's really I think that's like the key part of why stories are so wonderful and so good at evoking wonder and beauty. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, yes. Sophie, what was your first impression of the book? Did you like it right away or did it take time to grow on you? It sounds like from the movie, but like when you saw the movie version that it was you identified with it right away. So as far as the book goes, though, what was your first impression of the book? I definitely loved the book. Um, I don't know if I related to it exactly in the same way. The movie, I really related to the little girl, which is just this extra layer of story that they add on top of it. The book, I, so I love philosophy. I'm a philosophy (laughs) minor, but it's just one of my favorite things. And so the book is so philosophically rich Mm -hmm. that that just added on top of the excitement of all of the wonder and beauty that it invokes. It's one of those books where I just want to scribble all of my <laughs> thoughts on the side and just keep returning to again yeah. and again and thinking through and processing and understanding. So yeah. definitely loved it. And the more I read it, the more I love it. Oh, that's so wonderful. How many times have you read it? That's a good question. It's been less than a year. I've probably read it three or four times. <laughs> wow, that is awesome. And so each time, is it is it one of those books that each time you read it, you love it more? You don't get tired of it at all, but you just want to read it. And it's like something new each time you read it. Is that kind of your experience with it? Definitely. I definitely think I understand more and more and peel back more layers as I read it. And then when I do discuss it with other people too, and so then I read it from the mindset of being prepared to discuss it with other people, then I unlock so many more things. (laughs) So it's always an adventure. That's so awesome. And are you a person who writes in the margins of your books? Absolutely. Okay. That's a, that's a side question. We hadn't talked about this before, but when you said something that made me think of that, I have tried to do that. And that's one of the hardest things in the world for me to write in the margins of my book. I have to do it with pencil and then I have to do it really lightly because I feel like I am, I don't know, I feel like I'm desecrating my book or something. So I've taken to doing book, using book darts and writing on post-it notes, (laughs) but I really want, I really want to do write in the margins because I've read several people saying it's like having a conversation with the book and I I want to start doing that. So that's just a little side note. (laughs) What are some of the moments and characters that have stayed with you since reading the book? Any favorite quotes? There are so many, (laughs) so many to pick from. I think the fox is definitely one of my favorite characters. And there's this whole scene with the fox and the little prince where they're going over this concept of taming and taming is how you build relationships and you just, you spend time. And Mm -hmm. that to me was so cool. I never, I never thought about taming as a concept to be applied to that. Right. And it's not a, it's not in a negative way. It's a positive Mm -hmm. sense. Right. And, and I think too, I think one of the most profound quotes, I think it was closer to the end 
they were saying if you tame someone or something, you risk tears. And that mm-hmm. was just so mm-hmm. obvious, yeah. but, but just profound and really cool. So I loved that relationship is such a central theme of the whole mm-hmm. book. And then I would say the whole any time where the little prince is on another planet encountering <laughs> these individuals is fascinating, but especially when he encounters the lamplighter. Yes. That scene. Yeah. Me too. It's wild. It's just this this very simple notion of the lamplighter is doing something valuable because he's adding another star to the sky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just stunning. Oh, yeah. It is. Those, those are my two favorite parts too, Sophie. <laughs> what are your thoughts on this quote? And now here's my secret, a very simple secret. It is only with the heart that one can see rightly. What is essential is invisible to the eye. And when we had our discussion in our group, that was one of the things I was, I kind of, I think I talked to you about, it's like, it was a little hard for me to take that quote because of how, I don't know, misused people bring in following your heart, but I liked your take on it. So if you want to share about that a little bit more. Yes. So I too, when I first read it, was like, I don't know what I think about this because this sounds like a Disney follow your heart mantra and that's just not cool. Yeah. (laughs) But I think really what the book is getting at, which is so valuable, is it's sort of it's reaching past. It's not like a follow your heart, follow your emotions, Mm -hmm. heart versus mind dichotomy. It's sort of like move past just what you see Mm -hmm. to all of these other things that bring value. Mm -hmm. So, for example, he just has this emphasis on relationships and Mm -hmm. memories and that's Mm -hmm. what brings true value to things because the fox says the wheat fields are wonderful now because every time Mm -hmm. he sees the wheat fields he will remember the little prince and that is just beautiful and the little prince talks about the stars are beautiful because there's a rose there waiting for him Mm -hmm. it's just this I don't know, just this wonderful deeper understanding of looking at everything around Mm -hmm. you and instead of just seeing with your eye you're like you're just reaching deeper and deeper to the true depth of what of what is going on there and not this again gk chesterton kind of (laughs) this is making me just now think of this too he talks about tidal waves and he's doing a like making a different connection there but he talks about how many uh naturalists will say well it's deterministic that the tides are like this because of the the moon or maybe maybe it's looking at the moon Either way, it's that sort of relationship. But he says that lovers, they look at this and they have these memories under the moon or whatever. And so you both have two different ways of looking at this and which is the more profound, Mm -hmm. just enjoy, like recognizing that there isn't this cause effect nature, but seeing this link between what you see in nature and all of these memories and relationships and wonderful time and effort beneath that. That's lovely. Where, Where is that? In his writings, Sophie, is it orthodoxy? Yes. I've got to read that. That's a good a good reminder. A majority of the story takes place in the desert, and there's a good bit of space travel, as we've mentioned, when the little prince visits various planets before coming to Earth. How did this part of the book evoke a sense of wonder for you? So for me personally, I love astronomy, really? like in, in-depth astronomy. I did lots of science competitions in high school, and I always did astronomy for them. fun facts and so anything to do with stars or Mm. planets is just naturally just going to evoke wonder in me I just think it's just wondrous Mm. I think as well just a big part of each of these 
these scenes of I think the traveling, the way in which he travels, yes. he like travels with a flock of birds. That's just imaginative yeah, and incredible. That's just so cool. And then when he comes to each of the planets, I almost think it sort of evokes wonder in a maybe like a negative flipped sense because mm. you're seeing where all of these people have gone wrong and they've mm. lost wonder. Mm-hmm. Whether it's the king who just rules but he doesn't really rule or the businessman who counts stars but what is the point mm-hmm. he's not doing anything with it and so i think it's almost like a a sense of at least for me a sense of fear of yeah. oh my goodness i don't want to become like mm. these people who have lost wonder mm. i want to be like the little prince whose reaction isn't to get angry or upset mm. but be like well they're strange yeah. and move on <laughs> and so i think that's i think that's the primary way that that those scenes evoke wonder And it's also delightful how he works in curiosity. The little prince is curious. He's just always asking questions. And that's also, you know, a trait of childhood. And I think something that gets dismissed as we get older, I I really, uh, there was a friend who had been talking to me about this recently. We just were talking and comparing our husbands and their, their propensity to ask lots and lots of questions. And sometimes it can seem annoying, but really it's just, they just have curious minds. And I do love how he brings that out of the little prince's curiosity. And I think that's something important that we could use more of in in our own lives and in our society is just being more open to people's curiosity of just being able to ask questions without dismissing them quickly or going on the defensive about their questions, but just really taking the time to allow them to think through (laughs) as a child does. So Sophie, what are your thoughts on the illustrations and the importance of them to the story I'm a big fan of picture books and illustrations, and this has some very whimsical illustrations by the author. And so I wanted to know what your thoughts were, Sophie. For me, I can't really separate the story from the pictures. And I think that's because I looked at the pictures before I ever read the book. And I have always associated the book with those, just that cover mostly of The Little Prince on the Planet. So what are your thoughts? I hadn't really thought about the illustrations that much (laughs) until you mentioned it. But once you did... They are so crucial to it. And I Mm -hmm. think, well, first off, I think it's insanely cool that the author himself did the illustrations. I would never be able to do that. (laughs) Zero artistic ability. But I think that is really awesome. And I think as well, just the nature of the drawings, they're so simplistic Mm -hmm. and childlike. And so Mm -hmm. it's like you're seeing the story put into action Mm -hmm. through the way in which it is drawn and illustrated. And I think... I mean, because he makes like the businessman and the king, they just look ridiculous. Right. And that's just funny. And I love the way in which you're able to just it helps your imagination as well. And seeing each of these tiny little planets and the proportions. And I don't know, I think it helps to emphasize what he really is trying mm-hmm. to get at as most important or not important. It's interesting, too, because at the beginning of the book, the narrator is talking about making his first drawings and how adults kind of dismissed it because it didn't look like it looked like something else than what he was drawing because it's a boa constrictor, right? And they think it's an elephant. Is that how it is? It's a boa constrictor, an elephant inside a boa constrictor. Okay, they that's what it is. <laughs> they think it's a hat. So it's just this. I like how he plays with that and doing the illustrations himself. And they're very unusual. And like you said, I I don't know that you can have this story without those illustrations. So I, I encourage y'all again to pick up the book and really take time to look over the illustrations and see how they work with the story and see if you agree with us. And finally, Sophie, 
How can this book expand a child or an adult's imagination? I think it can do it in so many different ways. I mean, you have to stretch your imagination yes. just from, from the beginning. Yes. When I mean, from the very beginning, because you're going to stretch your imagination to be like, oh, that is an elephant yeah. inside a book. Yeah. <laughs> sure, to, to, to your imagination of when the they're describing the little prince's planet that's mm-hmm. a tiny asteroid. And it's yeah. just every step of the way, ridiculous things are happening that in that sense... They do, it is it is almost this push, this force mm-hmm. to break you from whatever shackles you have around your mind mm-hmm. to start imagining. And but at the same time, it's also just so beautiful and wondrous and just mm-hmm. describing his relationship with the rose or mm-hmm. looking up at the stars, the way in which it's written and told. Yeah. I don't think you can read it and not imagine and wonder. I, I don't I think it's possible. <laughs> I don't I don't think so either. Really. It is just it's a really outside of the box story like we've said before. It's just it's very it's just very unusual and to think of the time it was written in the 40s, I believe. Was it the 40s, Sophie? So. And that was before space travel. So it's mm-hmm. it definitely he has the little prince traveling through space. It's just it's just so quirky and like I said just delightful. And just as a side note, I think uh, I'm I'm not positive, so y'all can all go and fact check for me. But the rose, I believe, was based off the author's wife, and I think that's kind of he was having writing a little bit about their relationship, the author and his wife. So it's it's interesting, and mm-hmm. definitely we don't want to say too much about the rose because we don't want to give too much away. But like I said, you just got to read it yourself. All right, Sophie, I'm fond of giving a call to action at the end of my episodes. What would you say to someone? to try to encourage them to read A Little Prince? I think I would say to read it if you want to feel like a child again, Mm -hmm. if you want to just sort of put yourself in a situation where you have to reconsider what is really most important. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of, if you're just bogged down Mm -hmm. by life and everything that's going on, this is just the perfect story to turn to, to rest and relax in and just imagine and wonder Mm -hmm. and be filled with beauty again. Mm -hmm. And it's also very poignant. There's a, there's a little undercurrent, uh, uh, just a little bit of sadness, just a little, just a little melancholy, but I I don't think that it's, it's off-putting in any way as it causes you along with the uh, evoking wonder. It just causes you to ponder important things in life. So it's just, it's, it's, I would recommend it as well. (laughs) Before we go, I want to do a quick round of some literary questions. Sophie, what are your favorite books you've read in the last year? I could say so many books. <laughs> the list is always growing, but I think I'll just narrow it down to two. Two okay. that stuck out. I read The Princess and the Goblin by George <gasps> MacDonald for the first time. I haven't read it. You must. Mm. It's so delightful. So good. I had read... Fantasties years ago and then just this year got reintroduced to mcdonald and it's been wonderful so that book for sure and then i think my other favorite book was probably or one of my other favorite books would be churchill socks yes that's by our friend mez bloom and we both read it recently so i think i read it i guess maybe last month is that when about the time or did you just finish reading it 
I read it in like October. Oh, really? Okay. Well, I just, I just finished reading it and it is so good. My mom read it first and she kept telling me, and I had already had my copy and I was waiting to read it, but mom kept calling me and saying, you've got to read this now. You've got to read this now. It is so good. It's so good. She's like, it's page turner. She kept telling me and I was afraid she was going to spoil something. So I had to pick it up. I just had to put all my other books aside and I just, I couldn't stop reading it once I started reading it. It was just so good. It's a page turner. It's so endearing. The characters, you just, I love the characters so much. There's one, my mom and I both share a favorite character, Teddy. We both love him. And I also love the main character, Ivy. It is just, it's written so well. It's just such an intriguing story. And it just, it's great mystery. It's just fun bits of history. It's just, you have to read it. Have to. It was the best. I was like, I wish this existed when I, I was 11 because this was, the, that would have been my dream. Yes. My dream life in a book. Yes. Because <laughs> they're spies. It's World War II. It's just wonderful, wonderful book. Okay. What is your favorite book of all time? And you can, I'll, you can break the rules if you need to say more than one. When I was thinking through it, honestly, and I don't talk about this book that much and I haven't read it that many times. But I love Paralandra. I think that might be my favorite. You know, I've only read it once. And that was probably, it was over 15 years ago. And I need to go back and reread it. I've been meaning to go and reread the Space Trilogy. Because that hideous strength is the one in that that trilogy that just like stands out in my mind the most. So Paralandra needs to be... Now I need to reread it and see. Is that the that's the one where they go? They're on the planet. Is yes, that... it's the one with the moving islands. Okay. Yes. And that's Eve. Eve character. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. Okay. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> what is a book you haven't read but you've always meant to read? And I will share mine. It is The Lord of the Rings, mm -hmm. and I'm very ashamed. Rightly so. <laughs> But I have a copy on my shelf and I have all the books on Audible as well. So at some point this year, I'm hoping to read The Lord of the Rings. So it's a good challenge. <laughs> um, the, the main book I can think of that I've had on my shelf for a very long time is Don Quixote. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. I just haven't gotten around to reading I've it I've never read it either. I read part of it in high school. But yeah, that's one I've never... <laughs> I hate to say it, but it's never been one that I really felt like I wanted to read. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so don't take my encouragement from that. Okay. If you could invite any author or literary character to dinner, who would it be? And we'll say three to five characters or authors. And what would you serve? Well, I think, I think... Jane Austen, yes. because wit and humor, I yes. just think she'd be hilarious. I was going to say um, Alyosha from Brothers Karamazov, which I haven't read. No, you should add that no, to the list, I know. too. But I think I'm just going to go with Dostoevsky himself. Okay. Because I also think he would be very fascinating. His books are so dark, but they always yeah. have redemption. And I, oh. it would just be such an interesting conversation. Oh, yes. The Russian authors. Yeah. C.S. Lewis, naturally, mm -hmm. you just can't. You can't not. Yeah. And then I think after reading a couple other of her books recently, I got to say Dorothy Sayers. I love, I'm so glad, Sophie. I love Dorothy Sayers so much. And Lord Peter Wimsey and Harriet Vane. I just, they're like, he's probably 
all-time favorite literary character. And Dorothy Sayers is, is definitely on the list of, of authors I would invite to dinner. <laughs> yes, she's so cool. I have I have no idea what I would serve them. Um, <laughs> Anything you could do it like a if you like ice cream sundaes, whatever um, you want to do. Maybe you could do make your own pizza. That's that great. Feels, that feels very modern, and I just think it'd be fun to watch all. Yeah, of and you so. oh yes, and you could critique what their ingredients are. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. <laughs> Finally, do you have any book recommendations to share? So recently, I read the Ichabog by oh. J.K. Rowling. So good. Oh, good. I have it. It's good. Definitely read it. Oh, I can't wait. Um, another one of my favorites for a long time is The Mysterious Benedict Society. I have not read that, and I need to. A lot of people haven't read it, but it's really good. I think it's going to last. Oh, good. I, I love the whole series until the last one. That one's not Okay. Good. But the rest of them are great. <laughs> <laughs> the only other book recommendation I can think of, short story by George MacDonald. I was just, I was mainly introduced, I'd read one book by him a long yeah. time ago, but I was mainly reintroduced to him this year. Yeah. And he's so cool. And I read The Day Boy and The Night Girl. And I think that's my favorite story by him. Really? Okay. I want to, I keep seeing that on Audible and I really, really want to read that, that one as well. I want to read more George MacDonald. My mom had a book of his Christmas stories when I was a child and they were incredibly sad and wonderful and I don't know. I like the sad stories sometimes, and <laughs> they were. That's that's pretty much all of George MacDonald that I've read. I think, which is really sad to say. And I I definitely want to read more of his stuff because I'm, now I'm fascinated about his life because I listened to a wonderful podcast on Hutchmoot about his hospitality, mm -hmm. his view of hospitality. It's just he's absolutely fascinating. So definitely. He's on the list this year, too. There's, <laughs> there are a lot of people on the list for me this year, but I'm hoping to get to as many as I can. But we'll see. We'll see how that goes. There's a lot of reading to do for this and lots of picture books to my little girl. So <laughs> we will see. All right. Sophie, is, that any, is there anything else? Any other books? Or those we've covered, covered it all. Those are just the greatest books. <laughs> they are. <laughs> well, Sophie, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It's been a delight, and I can't wait to do it again. I, we talked earlier, but we, I really want to have her back on to talk mysteries because I love mysteries, and Sophie's been reading Agatha Christie and some Dorothy Sayers, so I really want to have her. Hopefully, I can have her back on, and we can talk mysteries, and that would be so much fun. And everyone, go check out Sophie's podcast. It's called Tikva. It's wonderful. It's her and her co-host, Annie, and it's well done, delightful, so please check that out. And I will talk to you again in two weeks. Well, that's all for this week. I'll be back soon with a new episode. In the meantime, you can find me on Instagram at wellreadbeth. Until next time.